Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 186 for Monday, March 28th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pattern Pending Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> we do get into patterns occasionally, and sometimes we get into patterns with the render distance, the extended version of the podcast, but today we've had quite a nice varied discussion ranging from Joel's new phone to nostalgia for Minecraft Earth to Mexican hairless dogs. And if you're interested in any of that, then you can hear more of us listening to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast, which you can get if you join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. It is our final episode of the month, which means we've had our March monthly Minecraft Hangout, and that's going to be hopefully published to patron RSS feeds sometime later today, so keep an ear out for that. We had a lovely discussion with everybody, starting off with a bunch of bases in snowy biomes, moving on to more technical stuff, snowball-powered iron farms, and all kinds of cool stuff, so thank you once again to everybody who participated, and everyone else who's part of the Patreon. Hope you all enjoy listening. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? Well, as you alluded to in the intro, I have been messing around with banners, uh, having a lot of fun with that, and it's always nice to remind people that banners exist because sometimes they're largely overlooked, and that's mostly what I was doing last week, was looking at overlooked Minecraft mechanics. Uh, so I struck a lot of things with lightning, I bred some turtles to get turtle eggs, we talked about lingering potions, uh, it was pretty good. Um, I, I came up with a couple of interesting things to, to say about lingering potions, and I'm considering maybe working them into a couple of dungeon builds in future as though there's like a pressure plate that you step on and a poison potion shoots out from the wall. I feel like those don't get used enough for what they provide in terms of like particle effects and stuff like that. I think they're, they're good for atmosphere and the problem is just that they're consumable. So I'm going to try and find ways of working those into my world in future because those are those are a lot of fun. I also got to revisit an easter egg which I'm not sure if you know about and a, a few people have told me about this and said I should include it in the survival guide at some stage is that if you splash a creeper with a splash potion when it explodes it leaves a cloud of the potion effect behind. Have you ever encountered that in uh, in your regular Minecraft no. gameplay? No. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's not we're not all in the habit of splashing creepers with potions. So like I rarely use potions outside of functional stuff like curing zombified villages and stuff like that, but it turns out they leave that lingering cloud behind uh, in similar uh, in a way to what lingering potions do. And so again, if you want to design some sort of custom dungeon where a creeper just casually strolls out in front of a player who is exploring you can add a, a bit of spice to it by having the creeper maybe splashed with a potion of poison beforehand. And so even if they're within the radius of the creeper explosion blocking with a shield, they're still going to get hit with a poison potion effect afterwards. And there's some, some neat stuff that you can do with that mechanically that would add to like adventure maps and things like that. But it's not something that I'm typically going to access in a single player survival world because what am I going to do, prank myself? Probably not, yeah, right? No, um, I, it's it's one of those things where like when you look at the, the general feeling about creepers in the game super creepers not high on people's lists mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <And> like, <laughs> unless you're uh, collecting mob heads for for banners which i, I ended True. up doing I, I was i was quite happy that i'd done the lightning episode beforehand because that meant i could use a charged creeper to kill a creeper and then get the creeper head banner pattern and have all the patterns to show off uh, so that was super fun i've now got a creeper head pattern on my uh shield 
which my my permanent like mending and unbreaking shield because last season I went with a skull and crossbones from the wither skull but I thought this time let's go with the creeper and so it looks pretty good it's one of the few patterns because of the weird shrinking resolution thing that happens when you put a banner on on a shield in java edition um that it it, it actually still looks quite good because the outline of the creeper is there it's not distorted in any way it's much smaller than it appears on the banner like it's all shrunk in by a pixel but it has the room to play with there and it still looks like a creeper face so i'm quite pleased with it nice i think my shield the one that i use when i have one is bright yellow i think i just did like uh-huh. a straight straight yellow on it um it would be cool if you could do i mean i know you can do ba- banner patterns with shields it's too bad that you can't do the same sort of thing with leather that you can do with shields or vice mm-hmm. versa that you can't do the same thing with shields that you can with leather because it'd be nice to have more subtle colors like you can do red but what if you wanted like a, a maroon or something like that you'd, mm, you'd yeah. have to do like a gradient on a on a on a banner first um and then transfer it to a shield or can you like can can you create like maroon banners without like a gradient on them or are they just not really no, no. i think you'd you'd yeah. have to have it be a gradient just kind of layer some brown or some purple over red and and hope that that kind of came across okay when you put it on the shield which is it's a shame really um mm. but yeah uh, after that this week i've started on uh withers and beacons and stuff so i fought the wither um i i actually ended up going out to a nether fortress which is in a warped forest which was an ideal location to start farming wither skeletons because the only other thing that spawns in the radius of the biome is enderman and so it doesn't spawn a great deal of those and the fortress loads up with mobs as soon as you get within the vicinity nice. and so i ended i ended up spawn proofing a bunch of that and i was really lucky in that it was a super small fortress you know the ones where you go into the interior and it's like three rooms and you're done basically it was mm-hmm. like the the well room a couple of stairways not even you know nether wart garden around the bottom of them no extra tunnels it basically goes down to three dead ends and three separate staircases and so spawn proofing that was just a matter of dealing with the outside walkways and then there are three of those crossroad sections that have the really large spawning boxes in if you're looking at the the structure of a a nether fortress kind of bounding box um three of those basically in an l shape side by side so i have a massive wither skeleton and every other fortress mob under the sun now spawns in there as well so i've now got you know blazes zombie piglins uh, to the point where I'm killing the wither skeletons and getting wither skeleton skulls. One of the zombie piglins is close enough that it picks up the wither skeleton's head and puts it on. <laughs> and then I had to kill a, a zombie piglin, which was a problem because then all the other ones came after me. But yeah. we were talking in the pre-show about the the Mexican hairless dogs looking like bikers. You ever want to see a Minecraft mob that looks like a biker? Put a wither skeleton skull on a zombie piglin and it looks so much more metal it's like it's put on this big helmet the snout is still sticking through the visor you know it's it's a really funny image and we were laughing about that on stream before we inevitably had to kill it uh because it had one of the wither skeleton skulls and i needed three to fight the wither in the first place but yeah been having fun i'm gonna return to that eventually when i have enough wither roses to turn it into a dedicated wither skeleton farm and that thing is going to provide coal bones and more skulls than i know what to do with uh, by the end of the series so we'll we'll see how that gets on it's a little bit um too bad that mob heads in the game are full squares and you can't do something like this like the top part of the skull with like the bottom exposed because then it would really look like i don't remember the name of the pokemon but he has like a little white skull he's an orange like cubone pokemon. yes yeah cubone yes. so like mm-hmm. it'd be really cool if like another mob picked up like a wither skeleton skull or a skeleton skull and when they put it on you could still very clearly see like their jaw like a green zombie jaw underneath a big uh-huh. skull. yeah yeah i mean I, I guess you could just do that with a texture pack 
it probably wouldn't be too hard yeah potentially like i'm trying to think well, if i've is. seen yeah. anybody anybody do that but uh, but yeah no definitely cubone vibes from that for sure especially yeah. like holding like cubone uses a bone as a weapon you can imagine like you know throwing a bone at a, a zombie piglin and picking it up instead of the gold sword or something and it'd be very very funny like yeah. a, uh, a spitting image i think he's like he's like an angry little guy too isn't he right like he's got anger yes. issues yeah mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. think so um yeah uh I, i'm not gonna get into pokemon lore on this show we'll be here all day but uh, <laughs> here all day <laughs> yes yeah but no definitely uh, definitely getting those those vibes from it for sure and i'm hoping to do a bit more mo- with mob heads because while i'm not using the data packs that allow you to get mob heads from everything and you know pull out all of the the extra mob heads that the community have made skins for and everything like that. I do like having them around as decoration. Like in the previous survival guide world, I had like some zombie heads or skeleton skulls or something on shelves in various builds. And I think it just made a lot of sense to to have them around. They're nice little sub block details. Um, and I know you have some of that stuff on the Citadel when you're decorating interiors and stuff. Do you find those really helpful? Do you think there's maybe a case to be made for more stuff like that just available as decoration in vanilla Minecraft? Oh, 100%. I I forget that it's not vanilla half the time. Uh, we have the data pack from Vanilla Tweaks, which people have seen on Hermitcraft for a couple of seasons. And it every mob in the game drops a head randomly uh, at various you know percentages. Uh, and also you can, uh, it makes the wandering trader really useful because when he shows up, uh, you can trade with him for emeralds. As long as you have the block, uh, you'll get eight of the mini blocks of that particular, um, block texture. So logs Mm -hmm. looks good for firewood. Um, I just did a build on the weekend where I took a grindstone and I placed it down and then I placed on top of it at a slight angle, a smooth stone mini block, which is essentially just a Minecraft head with a mini block uh, texture on it. And it looks great. It looks like it's a piece of stone that was like refined by this, by the grindstone. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it adds a lot. I think the other thing that it adds too is that because of the way that um, they place, they place in the same way that a creeper head or a wither skeleton head would, and that you can place them on an angle. So like if you're not looking square at the block, same with a sign, you know, like if you're not facing square, the sign kind of faces at an angle. And so adding that little bit of, a, of an aside or a skew works really well. Uh, I've also noted that um, I don't like the textures on the chests. They don't look that good, but beehives look like countertop tool chests, like the kind of thing like a cobbler or a repair, like a watch repair shop or any kind of like somebody that would tinker with stuff, a tackle box for fishing. Beehives look like a little box of stuff on your, on your desk, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, I'm trying to think about what else I haven't gotten around to it yet, but the fact that I've got, uh, several bushes as small blocks, uh, small heads, uh, including the flowering azalea. When we get back to the modern city builds, it's going to be nice to be able to do some like manicured looking bushes and things. I think that'll be that'll be cool too. So we'll see. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I do find the data pack quite quite fun. I think one thing that is missing from the data pack stuff, though, is the fact that a lot of people don't know this. The mob heads that are available in vanilla, the creeper, zombie. I don't know if this works with wither skeletons, but I presume it does, um, and regular skeletons. If you wear one of those, it actually acts kind of like a disguise. Like, if you're wearing a creeper head, oh. then it, you, the creeper's like detection range where it figures out that you're a player and wants to walk over and attack you 
is reduced to 50%, and that stacks with sneaking, which reduces it to like 80% of normal, and invisibility, which if you're not wearing any armor, reduces it to like 7%. And so if you're wearing a creeper head while sneaking and invisible, you can sneak up on a creeper, and weirdly, considering that it's a floating creeper head, it won't notice you until you're like less than a block away. <laughs> at which point you're at point blank range for a creeper explosion anyway, so more fool you for not wearing any armor. But I think it's it's an interesting aspect of Minecraft that people don't have the cause to use all that often because most of the time you're just going to run in and fight the zombie, the creeper, whatever it is anyway. But I do think it's kind of an interesting aspect that they code that in. And I presume that's not the case with the, the mob head data pack because that'd just be like too many extra things to take into no. account. I mean, if you've got a regular one, then yes, like a regular skeleton or a creeper or whatever, then yes, it'll, it, it works just as normal. Um, but no, if you have a pig head or a squid head, it doesn't make them follow you or there doesn't seem to be any use for it. They're just decorative. Sometimes mm -hmm. they just look cool. Like uh, a phantom head looks pretty cool if you put it on. It's pretty, it's pretty creepy. Same with a yes. squid head. Um, the one thing that I find is an issue with the data pack, and it might be because of an old version. I need to double check. But um, when you have a stack of, let's say, mini blocks that are logs, if you place one in the world and then pick it back up again, it then changes to a player head as a tag. You can't then stack it with the other seven that are in your inventory. It's now a separate yeah, inventory yeah. slot. And so that's a pain in the butt because you, I've got three or four shulker boxes full of mini blocks that I've just... I just I try to look at the wandering trader and and buy them when I can because I never know when I'm going to need them. You know, I don't know when I might need a mini furnace or a mini blast furnace or a mini netherrack or just something like that. So, I have a lot of them and it's it's nice to have a library, but man do they eat up a lot of your storage space. I need to just yeah, move I'm them sure. from my shulkers to like a like a permanent chest or something. But Yeah, it's like we'll having see. a bunch of renamed items where you're like these don't go together. Like what is yes. it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that must yeah. be a pain. Um, so aside from, yeah, designing cobblers, interiors and whatnot, what's new on the Citadel? So I am nearly finished with the uh, Lowtown East Riverbank. Uh, last couple of weeks we were working in the West. This is on the East. Not that it's a big area. <laughs> um, it's just the other side of the road. And I finished all of the roofs on the area and I finished all of the details on the outside of the builds. Some of the insides of the builds have got details. It is impossible to get screenshots because yeah. the insides are like three by three or two by two or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You're like widening um, your FOV out to Quake Pro just to try yeah, and take it all to, in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it doesn't even look like an interior. So, <laughs> um, so to check the VOD, if, you, if you're curious, you can go watch the VODs and you'll see inside folks what they look like. I'm quite proud of a couple of them. I, I like the boathouse. I put a, more boats on shelves. And a uh, really challenging bit was this uh, deep slate roofed tower storage thing that I was trying for the longest time to figure out. And I had a big roof on it and it just looked goofy. Someone pointed out that it looked like a politician with a bad haircut. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't unsee it. <laughs> so we had, to, we, had to, oh, no. we had to remove that. It was very funny. Um, but uh, what we ended up doing was keeping the roof small and then using walls to maintain an overhang look even though it didn't technically have an overhang. So it allowed us to keep the roof small, feel like it's a still in the poor area of town. Because the bigger the roof gets, the more elaborate the house feels. And this is sure, meant to be yeah. like a poor fishing kind of town. So um, I did that. Um, but a lot of tough, a lot of spruce. It was challenging to kind of make the roofs look different, but I think it all came together pretty nicely. And the thing that I really like about moving through the area is um, hard to capture again in screenshots is the two wide alleys that kind of meander their way between the buildings and it really feels cool 
to not only be able to walk around them, but then walk between them. And so whenever I needed to go somewhere, I actually got turned around. Like I turned down the alley going, like, I'll just go up here and I'll put this last block in that spot. Oh no, I went the wrong way. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's windy enough that you get a little bit turned around, but it's, it feels condensed, but it doesn't feel claustrophobic. It doesn't feel like you're mining in a one by two tunnel, you know, like it doesn't feel yeah. that close, but I find that that happy medium is like, if your if your alleyway gets down to a single block, if you open it up immediately after that into a two wide space, it it just feels narrow, but not like problematic. You're not going to bump into stuff, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a nice happy medium. So that's that's been really fun. I'm I'm glad it's all coming together. The only thing left to do is the market stalls, and I haven't done any like landscaping. So there's no like flowers. There's a little bit of bush happening around but i need to do like grass and the actual river bank and stuff like that so that's not done but everything else is i bet your fishermen are looking forward to the new chest boats they are yeah they they are <laughs> i am as well actually yes speaking so, of do you want to get into the news yeah i was going to say about that let's uh, let's unpack what's happened this week kicking off with minecraft java edition snapshot 22w12a this snapshot introduces the warden skulk shrieker functionality and boats with chests to java minecraft new features in 22w12a added the darkness mob effect added skulk shrieker functionality added the warden mob added boat with the chest and added swift sneak as an enchantment the skulk shrieker responds to skulk sensors detecting vibrations by sending out a warning call to wardens skulk shriekers will also send out a call if the player steps on them players will hear the warden respond to the shriekers once the warden is close enough a call from the shriekers will summon the warden nearby bad news for you the warden uses vibrations as a means to navigate their environment. When vibrations aren't enough, they will also use a sense of smell to track down their prey. In the deep dark, wardens are everywhere. You just can't see them. The more vibrations the warden detects, the angrier it gets. You can see this by how fast the souls in its chest are beating. Once a mob has pushed beyond the warden's anger threshold, it will face its prey and roar before charging. If the player keeps the warden from detecting them for 60 seconds, the warden will dig back underground and despawn. Wardens have a special interaction with thrown projectiles. If the warden detects two projectile vibrations within five seconds of one another, the warden will grow angrier at the shooter. If the warden detects two projectile vibrations more than five seconds from one another, the warden will not grow angrier at the shooter. The new mob effect darkness is unique to the warden and the skulk shrieker, which will affect the player when nearby. Darkness lowers the camera down to an equivalent of moody brightness in the video setting. In periodic pulses, darkness will lower the overall brightness of the world so that the darkness creeps up against light sources. When the warden is around, torches will be more important than ever. A new accessibility slider has been added to the options menu called Darkness Pulsing, which controls how dark the darkness effect gets when the Warden or Skulk Shrieker gives it to the player. This setting will not affect fog distance. A boat with a chest. For the purpose of this podcast, hereafter referred to as chest boat. (laughs) The boat lets you bring more stuff on your boating adventures. When the player is in the boat, opening the inventory will show both the player's inventory and the inventory of the chess boat. For outside of the chess boat, players can shift right click to access the chess boat inventory. 
If you break the chest boat, the contents will spill out as with other chests. The chest boat works with hoppers, droppers, and other blocks that interact with chests. Like other chests, opening a chest boat or breaking a chest boat will anger piglins since they think all chests belong to them. Swift Sneak can be found on leggings. Uh, players can add the Swift Sneak enchantment to leggings to move fast while crouching as you would walk normally. Swift Sneak has three different levels with different speed increases. It is the first enchantment unique to leggings. A little bit of Minecraft history there. Changes in 22W12A, the deep dark biome is now less flooded than surrounded areas and leaves are now waterloggable. I'm gonna say that again, leaves are now waterloggable. Yay. Remove uh, the debug hotkey cycling render distance has also been changed. Fixed bugs of note in 22W12A include that you cannot use control plus backspace to delete entire words in, edit, uh, in the edit sign GUI. Uh, there's a bunch of other backspace and control uh, things that happen in uh, books as well as in signs. They've been fixed. Mangrove fence gates and mangrove fences are in the wrong tab in the creative inventory. Mud, mangrove roots, and their variants are too loud in comparison with other blocks. Powered rail and activator rail update order is reversed. Bees tries to pollinate waterlogged mangrove propagules and dies. For the full list of bugs, you can visit the minecraft.net article linked in our show notes. A little bit before the Java edition snapshot, we also had a Bedrock edition beta slash preview. So this is 1.18.30.28 or 29 if you're viewing this through Minecraft preview. There is also a 30 slash 31 beta, but that just fixes a couple of bugs with this one specifically. I think there were a few issues loading worlds and generating chunks and stuff like that. Uh, so this was published on Wednesday, March 23rd. We're going to skim most of this, but new features include the deep dark biome generation has been added into the Bedrock Edition betas. The Warden has its hadn't made its way into the game yet, but is getting ready for its big debut. Boats with chest have been added to this preview as well, along with a few tweaks for the Allay. The Allay now has a delay, the Allay delay, uh, for picking new items after delivering items. The Allay will now only pick up the exact same item it holds, as opposed to categories that it did previously. Allays will now stay close to a note block that has been played near it, and they are immune to damage from their owner, which is anybody who's recently given them an item. There is also a note in this preview article which says they don't have any additional changes planned for the copper horn, but they're really interested in hearing some feedback about it as a feature, considering that the goat horn wasn't really slated for release in Minecraft uh, 1.19 in the wild update, but they figured, you know, this is a chance to test things out, and they want to hear how they the players might use it if they've put the, uh, the copper horn into the final update. So there's a link on the... Uh, Bedrock Edition beta and preview article. We'll have that linked in our show notes, so please give your feedback if you've tested out this feature and you want to let Mojang know what you think. Uh, there's a full list of gameplay tweaks and changes available at feedback.minecraft.net. Uh, the main things are a few new changes to the new mobile control scheme for people who are testing that out. Uh, baby hoglins will now attack players, which they didn't do before on Bedrock Edition, I guess. Uh, they've fixed underwater lava lakes not turning into obsidian during world generation, and healing no longer causes a mob to be immune to damage. Once again, a full list of other gameplay tweaks and changes is over at feedback.minecraft.net. What do you want to start with first? The bedrock stuff? 
Um, yeah, Bedrock stuff, I think it's it's mostly the stuff that we've seen in Java, so we can kind of combine those two discussions. The main thing really is the tweaks for the LA. Um, I still haven't had a chance to hop into the Bedrock beta and check out the LA for myself, but it's very good to hear that they are now immune to damage from their owners. I kind of called that out on Twitter and Ulraf uh, responded. Ulraf has obviously been kind of spearheading the uh, development and and kind of concept of the LA in the first place. And he pointed out that, yeah, the LA is going to try and fly towards players to like drop off items near them and when people are swinging pickaxes or potentially swords the LA is just going to like jump in front of your face a bunch of the time and that was causing players to hit and kill their LA's in playtesting and naturally that's not something you want from a utility mob that doesn't currently have any way to reproduce it and so it made perfect sense for the LA to basically be immune to damage from their their owner so yeah really good and honestly this happens with a lot of pets to begin with and is one of my major issues with pets in minecraft is that they kind of teleport suddenly in front of you and then you end up hitting them by mistake but um yeah really really cool to hear that this is something that they've changed about the LA and once it comes to java edition i expect i'll be getting a lot more hands-on with the LA and figuring out what it can do so looking forward to that i don't know if this was mentioned in the article or whether i'm just remembering this from uh, a video, probably an Eximavoid video, but the I think the range of the LA has also been increased in terms mm-hmm. of the the range of blocks that will um, go and pick up stuff. So they seem to be like get, making it a little bit more robust. Maybe not have it be confined to such a, a small area. The thing that I'm still hung up on about the LA is is the the length of time it takes before it forgets the note block yeah. that it was assigned to. Because what when it forgets the note block it's assigned to, at that point it just becomes not useful for me. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where like, it's going to be fine if I'm in the area and I can constantly re- reprogram it and say, no, 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 yeah, still, still do, still do the thing, you know? Um, whereas I like the idea of setting it and forgetting it and it will just kind of like perpetually go to the same note block. I, yeah, I think that's I, more useful, but I, that there could be other reasons why they don't want to do that. I think that's going to be a matter of like dialing it in. Once we know what the final functionality of the LA is, how we adapt our own kind of setups and storage and like maybe mm. set up a, a redstone clock that's going to play a note block every so often to remind the LA where it needs to go and the kind of thing that you can probably whip up with a decent handful of redstone components and then not worry about it, which is like additional work to do in terms yeah, of collecting the stuff. But it's also the trade-off you have for having the collection happen more organically, more automatically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it will still work if you put something above the note block so that it doesn't actually make a noise. So it's still it's still getting a redstone signal, but it's not playing a sound. Yeah, I, I get the sense that that wasn't the case. And I think mm. I mentioned this before and somebody may have told me that it, it, it only works if the, the sound is audible. But again, that mm. may still change and it, it remains to be seen what else they've got planned and what else they will tweak before the LA is, you know, fine-tuned enough. Everybody's um, storage rooms are going to be 15 blocks away from where they hang out now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So um, aside from that, going back to the Java snapshot... Mm-hmm. um waterlogged leaves are my new favorite thing um uh, they've, yeah. been, they've been on bedrock edition for a while so so obviously disclaimer like I've, I've played with them a bit on bedrock before but as soon as somebody mentioned that to me while i was testing the snapshot out on stream i went to the swamp kind of area that i'd been building with mangrove and stuff already and i just chucked a bunch of different leaves in the water and it makes a huge difference like you don't expect it to be that big of a deal but if you're a builder like i am and you're used to kind of terraforming and naturalizing some areas i've built a lake build back on decidedly vanilla i think when you and i first started talking like i was building 
uh, on decidedly vanilla season four in a lake with like horizon zero dawn inspired robot dinosaurs and i wanted to have like algae floating out on this lake right which makes perfect sense for it to be a waterloggable but organic feeling block and leaves were perfect for that but of course at the time waterlogging was still relatively fresh i think it was you know around the time 113 was kind of the newer update and at that stage you know all of the the leaves were just kind of like there were cutouts around them because of the water flowing around the outside of it and it looks so much better when you have these things floating on the water's surface and natural builds with leaves trailing into the water it felt really weird that they were effectively carving giant air holes into the water with the with the leaves in the first place. I don't see there being a downside to having leaves be waterloggable to begin with, so I'm kind of surprised they weren't included, but I think maybe something about the transparency of them made it kind of weird and, and difficult or just led to them being overlooked. And personally, I'm hoping that this leads to some naturally generated use of this, like leaves being in the water trailing down from mangroves when mangrove biomes actually arrive. And I think that'd help the biome generation feel a bit more unique compared to the other forest generation. If it's like almost like Weeping Willow kind of style, they've got their leaves trailing in the water a little bit and that signals to the player, oh yeah, leaves can be waterlogged as well. So when you first noticed the mangrove roots uh, in the game, were they waterloggable when they first launched or not? I don't think I tried it. That's the thing. Mm. Like, and it, Because I was looking at it like a leaf block in the same sense and I don't think I even bothered trying to put them in the water i think they could be but uh, i i don't recall exactly and i don't think i actually messed with that at all because i think that's wh- why we're getting waterloggable wheat leaves i think it's because the mangrove roots that are supposed to go down into the water would look really weird if they weren't waterloggable mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. because the mangrove roots and the mangrove leaves look so similar i would imagine this is kind of like why they're kind of like let's just do it all let's just make yeah. them all water makes sense Um, And I agree. And I've got some situations on the Citadel where I've got bushes that are trailing down into the water by one block. You can get away with it if it's still kind of like one bit above the surface and it's only one block. But the moment you start to put leaves underwater, you get that kind of like texture of the water flat against the side of it. And it looks really silly. Um, Something that I I saw online was uh, the fact that if you grow a tree sapling underwater now, you get underwater trees. So like mm-hmm. you could just you could make like a flooded forest. You could have all these trees completely underwater and all of their leaves are going to be completely submerged in waterlogged. Like it's it's so cool looking. And it opens up like it's not just about like having a bush that goes into water or like you said having some moss floating. Like there are entire things that you can do now. Like how can you combine things like seagrass, leaf blocks, uh any kind of like, I mean, bamboo or and kelp and whatever kelp. else. Yeah. Like you can have like a long kelp stalk and then at the top of the kelp stalk, you could have like a leaf ball and it could yeah. look like a cool alien. Um, I don't know. Like there's all kinds of really cool stuff that you could do, especially if you combine that with things like the moss block or any other kind of green block I and mean, green concrete pattern will turn to concrete. But like if you, you could really get creative with what you put under the water with the leaf blocks, it could, it could be very, very cool. Yeah, fans of Subnautica will finally be able to live out their dream of reproducing it in in Minecraft a little more. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, like it, it, like you said, kind of drowned buildings and like, you know, you you build an abandoned village that's been flooded in some kind of way and having a bit of like, you know, creeping plant life around that that isn't just seagrass sea and kelp that have to be straight up and straight down. It like it makes a lot of sense. I 
I, I do think this is a really, really positive change. And again, I don't really see the downsides in it. So I think it's really nice that we have uh, waterloggable leaves in Java edition now. So I don't notice a lot of differences happening with the warden that we've seen in other, you know, experimental snapshots. It all seems to be just kind of like now it's an official in a snapshot. We've got some rules and some some ways that it's going to work. Um, something I noticed that wasn't in the notes, but I discovered from watching some other content creators is that the warden will not despawn if it's name tagged. Oh, really? And does it, does yeah. it not? Great. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, open that up to like all kinds of like, do you want to use the warden for your iron farm or like whatever you want to do? There uh -huh. are ideas. There are mini games. Like you could do all kinds of stuff if you've got more than one warden. And that's something that surprised me over the last few weeks that I keep on forgetting to mention on the show is that um, the wardens, plural, are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then if you if you mess up and you summon one, that doesn't mean you can't summon another one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like you can you can summon one, name tag it, and then summon another one if you really want to. And yeah, I, that just feels like all kinds of crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe there is a range at which the game will not spawn another one. But if you're like 32 blocks away and you start another Skulk Shrieker going, then you can have two wardens in the world at once. You can have more than that if you want to. But like, yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine that being a... It, I suppose it prevents you from spawning a warden in one place and then being like well okay while he's occupied over here i'm gonna like fly over to the other side of this ancient city and raid all of the chests there like yeah. it, it, it not being a single entity i think in a way like i like the idea of it being a single entity but to the average player you're probably not going to see more than one at once and if you end up spawning another one by mistake it's almost going to look like oh it's followed me it's found me you know so yeah. i think it's 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 got the potential to work as far as casual players go and then provide the opportunity for for more technical players and people who are more interested in messing with the mechanics to uh, to have some fun with that yeah, I uh, I'm curious to see what people will will do with it. I also want to know what happens when two wardens are next to each other. Like, do they get mad at one another because they're not I, quiet? Yeah, I would assume not. On account of like, in the same way that withers don't fight other withers because they're undead mobs. Like, I presume that's right. just not been programmed into their AI, or or it's been programmed in as an exception. Um, there's also some some fun stuff that is not mentioned in the patch notes, but um has been added in as more of the the anti-cheese tweaks for the warden so instead of having easy ways to kill it now it seems like it's going to be a bit more effort the changelog doesn't mention that the warden is now immune to lava and immune to drowning in water and the way it gets around both of these things is by effectively riding up to the top of the liquid as though everything is a bubble column so I had a great time with this because people mentioned it in my stream chat as I was messing around with it. I had the warden like in a hole at the time and we put a bucket of lava in there and it just leapt out of this hole in the ground. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't gather any more momentum the higher it goes. So I created a, a lava column from the surface down to deep slate level, spawned a warden at the bottom of it to see if it would go like 50 blocks in the air when it came out, like shot out like a cannon. Unfortunately, no, it still just bounces up like a little way. But um, yeah, it, it now has a four and a half block reach as well so you can't melee attack it from on top of a pillar without it being able to counter attack um you can still shoot it with ranged weapons but clearly they're starting to think a little more about how can we counter common player strategies for dealing with something that has a ludicrous amount of health and something that you want to keep at a distance yeah. and yeah it seems like it's got a few more countermeasures for that now if nothing else just not 
immediately being set on fire and its AI completely going to pot when it's standing in a, a, a foot deep thing of lava or water. I think you can still hit it if you're on three and a half blocks and you squat to smack it. it that's the thing. Be- yeah, I tried that. It doesn't work. Like the thing. Oh, really? Hits it hits you back. Yeah, that's 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 what I mean by it having a four and a half block reach. It will, it will get you at the top of one of those. And yeah, crouching like doesn't matter. It it will it will hit you once it knows you're there. Um, and so yeah, right now the meta I guess for fighting the warden is going to be pillar up five blocks and shoot it with a bow. But you know you've got to make sure you have enough arrows if you're not an infinity bow user. You've got to make sure your bow is well repaired enough if you are. And I've seen a few people arguing that it should be immune to ranged attacks. And honestly, at that point, it would just be invulnerable. Like, there's not really yeah. much point to it at that stage because you can't run away and shoot at it from a distance. The thing is really fast anyway. It's kind of like the wither. It can keep up with you. Um, mm. But I think if you're not going to have it take damage from arrows, then, you know, people are going to be going through 27, you know, like a full inventory of totems of undying in order to deal enough damage to it up close that they can kill it and i don't think that's fun like i know that the warden being killable is not the point of the warden to begin with but i still think there should be the option for players to be able to kill it if they are you know so inclined it'll have to be difficult but i don't think it should just be because because at that point if, if you can't damage it with a bow or a trident or whatever else just make the thing invulnerable and be done with it i think yeah yeah, yeah. And 60 seconds is not that long to sneak around and avoid it, right? Like, yeah. it's not two minutes or anything too crazy. Um, I I think the challenge is going to be, you know, them saying that, you know, torches are, are more important than ever. Except for when you place one, it's detectable by skulk sensors. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, just it's it's there's going to be some strategic torch placement when they eventually bring the ancient cities in and you have to work around these skulk sensors and shriekers and... Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting if you're kind of playing the game as design and just try to sneak around and avoid and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the darkness effect, and um, you know, while we're still on the warden, I, it seems pretty standard. I, I don't see anything too different from what we've seen already. I like the fact that there's an accessibility slider. Obviously, that's that's going to be great for yeah. not only for just you know people that need it um, or young kids that find it too scary. Uh, but also just for content creators, if you're trying to show something off, it's going to be nice to be able to go in and say like, look, I want to show this mechanic. So I'm going to make this really bright so that we can all see it. <laughs> it's not going to be as dramatic, but at least we can see what's happening and we'll see what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think it's nice to have that as an accessibility feature. And as somebody who makes videos from Minecraft regularly, I'm not certain how I want that to go because so often it's a frustration when things get too dark for viewers to be able to see. Right. But as far as an immersive gameplay experience, it's really good while you're there in the moment, caving in complete darkness or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see which way we swing on that. I've turned down some of the stuff in the past like the nether portal wobble effect and stuff just for the sake of folks who might be watching and might be uh you know more prone to nausea as a result of those effects but it's never really bothered me uh so as a player i think i'd want to keep that slider at its default setting but maybe in terms of what the video is able to show of it i might might keep that up um have you tried out swift sneak at all um this is now available on leggings as we were saying so potentially an enchantment that a lot more people are going to consider where previously it was a boots enchantment that was mutually exclusive with the other movement stuff like soul speed and depth strider 
No, I think it's great. I think it makes sense. It means that you're going to be able to move faster when you're sneaking away from the warden and not making any noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's nice that leggings no longer are just like because I have to wear them. <laughs> you know, yeah, like the, yeah, pretty like much. The, there's a little bit more to them, which is nice. Um, and I like I like the enchantments on my boots. Like I have a very specific set of boots because I jump off of things a lot, and I am not giving up feather falling four or whatever it is that I have on the boots. So it's it's nice that they put it on the leggings. Um, I find it it's funny because when you think about swiftness you think about boot enchantments you don't think yeah. that your pants are going to make you faster you think it's, your shoes are going to make you faster right like it's that's your how, feet that do the running right exactly like that's, right that's what people that's think right. but what I think about it is that uh think about it like the old corduroy pants you know like and if you were trying to sneak around with corduroy pants they would make like this like little kind of noise and so the the swift sneak allows you to do that without making any noise so you can move quickly without making any kind of friction noise so I I think it's kind of cool it's I don't know what other enchantments they could put on leggings that would be unique um but um i'm happy that they've decided to do it i mean it's cool um i i may finally decide to switch to netherite leggings and just do that if i if i have it because there are some moments like as a builder when you're sneaking along some tall you know scaffold thing and you're just kind of like i wish i could do this faster (laughs) you know like you know when you're placing like repetitive blocks like you know the the battlement on a wall or something that's you know 20 blocks long or something uh, that kind of stuff I think would be would be more useful. Um, I can also see it being useful in the nether too. Uh, you know, long bridges or or cliffs and stuff like that that you want to be um, sneaking around because you don't want to... Um, I don't know, sneaking doesn't really affect much in the nether, but like sometimes you just want to not fall off the thing you're standing yeah. on and... And being able to run away from a wither skeleton as you're like on a one wide bridge would be nice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people joking that uh, Minecraft now has a power walk setting, and I, yeah, I think it's it's very true. But the the thing is with with Swift Sneak, I think switching armor all the time is one of those things that still feels cumbersome to me about inventory management. It's why half the time I wear a gold helmet instead of a diamond one, because oh, I don't really want to go digging through my stuff to find the diamond helmet again to put that on when I'm not going to the nether. And I, I think with, with leggings, it, it's nice to have the option to put Swift Sneak on leggings to begin with. And having played around with it, it's a really fun way of getting around. Like, it, it makes like you said bridging over the void over the nether lava lakes you know potentially a lot faster and i don't know if like it's just sort of an illusion of sorts by the direction that you're traveling but i i sometimes find that if you're walking diagonally it it feels like you're traveling a little bit faster because you're adding sideways momentum to your forward momentum and so i kind of wonder if there are going to be some new travel metas where you point yourself in one direction and then walk diagonally and you get to a location 45 degrees away from where you're where you're actually looking um there's some curiosities to be figured out there but i i do think swift sneak is is good to have on on the leggings in general and like as somebody who habitually crouches a lot of the time anyway it's something i've noticed that's that's different from walking around regularly is view bobbing goes away when you aren't you're just walking regularly so so it's it's more or less like you know if you've got full swift sneak and you're traveling as fast as you do when you're running it's more or less a view bobbing toggle (laughs) effectively like it, it moves the camera down a little bit and you lose the side-to-side walking momentum kind of thing. And so if you want to give yourself like a little bit of a smoother look around and you don't have the distraction of view bobbing at that point, then potentially that's an aspect of it as well. That's like a a fun side effect of having this as an enchantment. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually uh, have decided to add a mod to my list on the Citadel, uh, just client side. And it removes the camera bob, but leaves the tool bob from right, uh -huh. your from your your video. Uh, I find it very helpful. Uh, I was finding two things: uh, the zoom in effect when you run the the camera shift to a different mm -hmm. um, thing, uh, and the bobbing. I think was also tied to the frame stutter that I was having with my PC. Right. So I I decided to. Um, remove all of the visual effects so I don't have any wobble, I don't have any nausea, and I don't have any um, of the, the speed effects. Uh, that includes flying with Elytra as well. Yeah. Um, and then I remove the bobbing of um, of the the, the crosshair. I don't mind the bobbing of the thing in my hand because I find that makes me feel like I'm moving. I do find it very strange when I'm watching a content creator and they're just kind of like gliding around like they're on ice. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. feels very weird. It's like creative mode, but you're stuck to the ground. You're floating um, around like a ghost. Yeah. yeah. And what's nice about it is that your whatever you're holding, carrot or rocket or whatever, bobs faster when you run. So you still have an indication that you're running or walking, which is nice. Um, I'm just going to be very amused by the first time um, we see multiplayer servers where everybody has swift sneak and everybody is walking around in Minecraft with their butt out. <laughs> yeah, they're all like hunched over and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hunched over. Yeah, everybody's I, gonna be like walking around like Quasimodo. <laughs> I also I wasn't sure because I I need to actually empirically test these things instead of just doing it by visual and kind of what I what I can detect at the time. But I think if you have swift sneak on, you still keep the momentum you had when you were sprinting. If you go into a crouch from a sprint. So potentially, like, oh, that wow. opens up some more movement tech for people who are into that sort of thing. And, like, maybe, you know, running and jumping around is going to be an issue. Like, if people are, are going to find that a little bit nauseating to watch, then, yeah, maybe sprinting and then holding crouch and doing the the kind of the, the view-bobbingless glide forward at sprint speed might still be possible. I need to test if that's actually a thing or not, or if I'm just imagining it, because... You know, you, you still have that thing where if you press sprint in a boat, it changes the FOV and you feel like you're going faster, even though you're technically not. So I'm not certain right. if that's the same thing I'm feeling with, with Swift Sneak, but still a bit of testing to be done there. Well, we've saved the absolute best for the absolute last, and I mean the last, because we're going to move the chess boats into our main discussion this week. So uh, first, let's get into some email. Yeah, if you'd like to email the show and keep it short and sweet, if you could, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. This first one comes in from Silas Brammer with the subject, a peaceful mode data pack. Hi, Johnny and Joel. I was listening recently to episode 184 and your discussion about peaceful mode, and I wanted to tell you about a data pack from Codemouse92 called No Monster Minecraft that makes it possible to play easy, normal, and hard survival difficulty without mobs. I used to play exclusively in peaceful mode, but now I rarely ever play without the data pack. Codemouse92 also has another data pack that adds mob drop recipes for peaceful mode players. Silas Brammer was killed by a wolf named Boredom. <laughs> there you go. Well, Minecraft is always a good uh, antidote to, to that particular wolf. And thank you for bringing this up, because these will be very useful to folks who have emailed us in the past. I know that's what kind of kicked off that discussion about the lack of certain mob drops being available in Peaceful or the desire to remove some of the hostile mob aspects, but not all. And you did a bit of research into this, Joel, and you found out that it was actually quite configurable, right? Yeah, so they didn't include a link in their email, but I'm pretty sure this is the one. It's certainly the same um, 
code author, uh, code mouse 92, uh, no monster Minecraft on GitHub. We'll have a link in the show notes this week on our website. That's uh, the spawn chunks.com. And, uh, you can control all kinds of stuff. So it's not just no mobs, but there's also recipes in there to, um, make the things that you would normally get from mobs, you know, like making slime with like eggs and kelp or something like that. Um, or, you can also dive into uh, the commands and turn off some hostile mobs. So maybe you don't mind mobs, but maybe you really don't like creepers. Maybe you don't want spiders in the game. So you can just kind of like turn them off by group and say like, okay, I don't want any spiders, no cave spiders, no spider jockeys, and no regular spiders, done. And then you're just left with your skeletons, your zombies, and your, uh, and your creepers. Uh, vice versa, if you didn't like zombies, you could remove them. Uh, and I think that's really cool. I like that there's a lot of options. I don't know if you can control like whether or not the recipes show up, but like if you don't like them, you could just not use them. Um, yeah. But if it's a, if it's a matter of a server situation where you don't want anybody to use them, you might have to find a way to lock those down. Um, I didn't install it or anything like that because I don't I don't need to. But um, I like the idea of like you can play peaceful and just have recipes added that are either challenging or you know require you to farm different things to get the mob drops that you would get from hostile mobs or you can play survival and turn off all or some or only a fraction of the hostile mobs in the game like you might be able to turn off everything but the boss mobs like still have the dragon still have the wither so you can still get beacons you know that kind of stuff and then just, you know, go without having to worry about most things. And those are mobs like the Wither and the Ender Dragon. Those are things you have to like pursue to activate, right? Like mm -hmm. they're just, they're not going to surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I, I also, I like the idea of disabling creeper spawning, but keeping ghast spawning, right? So like if you don't want builds in your overworld blown up, but you don't really care what happens to the nether, then you can disable creepers entirely. You still have ghasts as a source of gunpowder, and if anyone's seen Nembon's ghast farm where you build like a giant array of portals on the nether roof, that actually I think gives more gunpowder if you build a decent sized farm than a standard kind of darkroom creeper spawner will. So yeah, you've got the potential for that stuff. You've also got ghast fireballs being weaker than creeper explosions, so ghasts won't blow up stone if you're building stuff made of stone in the nether, then you can kind of get around that. And I like the idea of having that level of flexibility in a data pack because you don't typically see that kind of stuff added to the vanilla game. We have the option to disable, I think, pillager patrols, phantoms, and like a couple of other hostile mobs. I think even stuff like that isn't hostile, like the wandering trader, for example. Right. But those are the only mobs that we really get to toggle individually without disabling a whole raft of features like mob griefing, which as we've discussed in the past, includes things like sheep being able to eat grass, villagers being able to farm crops, some of the more peaceful mechanics that you'd want to have in the first place so i i do like the idea of just being able to erase creepers or spiders or whatever from the game and still have access to some of the other stuff so thanks again silas brammer really appreciate the uh the info yeah definitely um if anyone's interested and we we have yet in the chat asking if we have anything for enderman griefing um i think the enderman griefing issue can actually be solved in a very specific way and vanilla tweaks.net has a really good data pack for that which um, basically gives the Enderman an invisible block, I think, or it used to back when this was like a command uh, version of it. I think now it has something slightly different, or it just removes the tags from certain items that Endermen are, you know, inclined to pick up. Um, so yeah, VanillaTweaks.net is usually a really great way of uh, tracking that down. 
we have that on the Citadel and I've never even noticed the Enderman doing like the pickup animation. Like they just, they do everything but, you know, grief. That's it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how it's implemented, but it works very well. Next email is from Ad Hoc One Horns and Skulk Sensors. Dear Pix and Joel, with the addition of Skulk Sensors, wireless redstone signal trans transmission has been made possible. With the even more recent addition of goat horns and the copper horns, I couldn't help but wonder if the horns could be used somehow as a passcode for a hidden entrance. I know that they are intended primarily as a social feature in the game, but why not add more fun things that you can do with them? My suggestion is simple and twofold. Goat horns should trigger skulk sensors if they don't already, and skulk sensors should output different redstone signal strengths when exposed to different goat horn sounds. Okay, maybe it's not all that simple. Obviously, there are many goat and copper horn noises and only 15 redstone signal strengths, but... How cool would it be if you and a friend set up a system where to access your shared secret base, you needed to play multiple sounds from specific horns or two in the right order? Maybe I watch too much mumbo jumbo. I'm no redstone genius, and I don't know how much it would personally use this feature. I just can't help wanting to see someone smarter than me and more Minecraft savvy uh, make a cool looking secret base that requires trumpet playing to get in. It would make an amazing YouTube content uh, video, if nothing else. Love the show. Thank you guys for recording every week. Ad hoc one was slain by an Enderman outside his front door because he was busy looking up skulk sensor mechanics on the Minecraft wiki. Your sign off <laughs> sounds like something that has never, ever happened to me. Nope. Yeah, happens to the best of us. Um, I immediately, when when you said like trumpet playing, I, I imagined, I think it's like a story in the Bible somewhere where somebody blows a trumpet and the walls of a city fall down. It's like the walls of Jericho or whatever. I'm, I'm imagining right. that where you play a, uh, a copper horn and some carefully concealed TNT destroys a perimeter wall of some kind. Um, it's a cool idea. Yeah, um, I'm sure it could be implemented, but the problem right now is that the goat horn almost certainly wouldn't have a unique redstone output for the skulk sensor because with a comparator, it's already programmed to emit different redstone signal strengths based on a whole variety of sounds. So yes, your goat horn could open a redstone door, but then depending on the goat horn, so could a nearby lightning strike, somebody using a fishing rod, the sound of an extending piston, and that's all the stuff that does, you know, um, signal strength 15 from a from a skull sensor, or like a TNT explosion, for example. So, right. like, you're, you're going to share that pool of redstone signal with a bunch of other sounds, which people wouldn't have to have the copper horns to make. Like, from a role play, a role play element, absolutely. Because then, yeah, you, you can stand on a certain spot, maybe, and, and you don't let on to the player that the skulk sensor is occluded from all other angles. So you put, like, a diamond block or a lodestone or something really obvious there, and you go, okay, stand on this, and, and loudly sound your horn, and the door will open to you, traveler. And then, you know, if they do that, then yes, if you signpost the fact that you need to do that then that's a way players can do it. But it becomes a bit of an anticlimactic event when they realize, oh yeah, I can stand on this block and like cast my fishing rod and it opens the door as well. You know, <laughs> you, you've really got to yeah. dress it up a little bit to sell it to the player and imagine that they can't open it any other way. 
Yeah, I like the idea as well, but my brain can't figure out a way to implement it that doesn't like, you know, have other ways and doesn't seem like it's secure or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. And that's kind of where, I mean, obviously signal strength and vibrations are different than, you know, musical notes. Yeah. And that's where I really feel like it would be cool if there was something in the game, you know, like the note block was more than just a speaker, you know, like if, if it detected noise as well and you could have it. So, okay. I'm going to program this note block as you can to play a certain note. And then you'd have to receive a certain note to then have it output a redstone signal um, from something else like a goat horn. Uh, the other thing that I thought of would be increasing the range. So like if, if your skulk sensor is picking you up or picking your max TNT blast up at 15 blocks, I'm just using that as an example, then maybe have the goat horns have like a 20 or a, or a 25 block or 24 block radius or something like that so that you could use it, but you could use it from farther away than your typical vibrations. Uh, however, that then gets into the problem of like you're standing next to your neighbor and you blow your goat horn and both of your doors open yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> of the range is so long. Or you set off their skulk sensor that is meant to be like, you know, it's part of their redstone farm for, I don't know, their their fancy sugarcane. And you're setting it off by accident because the yeah. range of your goat horn is too big. So, like, I can understand why it's not implemented that way. But it does, it, it does get into some real inconsistency in gameplay when you have the skulk sensors that react to vibrations in the game. But then you introduce a whole bunch of other things that are making sound, which are technically vibrations, but the game is separating those. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, well, I can jump up and down or I can make a footstep and the skulk sensor goes bananas. But if I sit here with a goat horn, like a fog horn, it hears nothing. You know, like it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's 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 a cool idea. There's even can you imagine maybe if you kept playing the goat horn for a certain length of time? And if the Skulk Sensor's redstone signal, like, built up from, like, 1 to 10 or something like that over the span of you holding down the button that played the goat horn for long enough, right? So it effectively, like, charged up a redstone signal. That might be one behavior that you could program in that would allow the goat horn to have that, like, more unique interaction because most other noises are just, like, a single noise. It's, like, percussive, right? Whereas the goat horns, you can play them for a longer amount of time. Um, But then I feel like that's a very unique interaction between goat horns and skulk sensors that, you know, most players aren't going to use. Like, you know, what what is the, the benefit of putting that in in the first place? You know, how does that overlap with other mechanics? Is it worth all of that time and effort to go to just to add in an interaction between skulk sensors and goat horns maybe <laughs> maybe it'd be fun a fun easter egg but again i don't know how like how feasible that is to actually be added in in the first place moving on to the main discussion this week which i have uh, aptly titled boaty mcchesterson and the waterlogged <laughs> leaves uh, of course. we've already yeah we've already talked about the waterlogged leaves but we're going to be talking about the boat with a chest again probably the last time you're going to hear me say that uh, referring to it because I'm just going to say this right now. The community yeah. is not going to call them a boat with a chest. I understand that minecart with a hopper, I think is the technical in-game term for those as well. Everyone calls, calls them hopper minecarts. Hopper minecarts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I understand the consistency, but like it is a mouthful 
as a player, let alone a podcaster. So chess boats are here to stay. <laughs> yes, from the people who brought you the zombified piglin and and uh, waxed, lightly weathered, cut copper stairs. Now boat with chest. Um, we love you guys, Mojang. Really. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely calling it a chest boat. I'm sorry, but it will happen. We've also got so many different wood types to add in there as well. So mangrove boat with chest is is a lot right. to say. Um, but yeah. As far as the implementation of them, we'll get past the name and talk about the actual entity itself. I I was initially kind of thrown by it because it felt really unusual, although in retrospect it makes perfect sense, to be riding in a boat, open my inventory, and see another 27 slots of inventory there instead of crafting armor and so forth, right? Like, even I think the other thing we can ride that has inventory space is a horse or a donkey you know with the, with the chest attached to it right but even that has like it has a picture of the donkey in the same way that like the player portrait is there when you open your inventory and you know the armor slots for the horse armor and the saddle and stuff can be there but then it's really weird to be riding around in something that you open and then it looks like you've just opened the chest like it's it's a really strange like disconnect like for me like it t- it took me a second to realize oh yeah no that's of course how that that's how that would work but i i wonder if maybe that's the kind of thing that it would be it might need like a sound effect to sell it better or or even an animation you know if you if you open up the inventory of a chest boat and you hear the chest opening sound effect even if it doesn't actually physically open because that might be more complicated with it being an entity and all i do kind of think that would eliminate that weird disconnect for me where i thought oh this is weird suddenly i'm like where's where's my normal inventory screen are chests not entities now no because they don't move right that's the they're, they're tile entities i think there's ah, there's yeah I, okay. I i forget exactly what the distinction is there right. but yeah they they are they're tile entities so they're things that can store stuff and they are technically blocks in that they snap to the grid and that's the thing that i think makes it easier for some of the interactions that we have with them and and right. animating some of that stuff i i, I don't mm-hmm. know for certain again i'm 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 probably just talking from some kind of weird sense of how i think things work that probably isn't actually functionally how things work yeah i mean i think they look fine you know they look cool the the chess boats uh, i the way that they you interact with them i thought made a lot of sense um i i know what you mean now though with that lack of like um feedback whether it yeah. be audio or video like perfect even, word for it yeah like even if you're even if you're in you know first person mode and you open up the chest if it switched you to like third person or some just something to indicate that you've changed what you're looking at you know yeah. um as if you've turned around in your boat to look in the chest that mm-hmm. kind of thing would be would be interesting um i never even noticed that that didn't open but it makes a lot of sense um i thought that it made sense that when you are not in the boat you have to then shift right click in the same way yeah. that if you, you know, the same way you want to shift right click to place something up against a trap door or a door, like that kind of a thing. You get uh, the or same, chest for that matter, yeah. The, the same behavior if you're um, if you're looking at a horse. Again, like another inventory that has, right. uh, yeah, like a, an entity attached to it. Like um, yeah. llamas, same thing. Like if you, if you shift click on them, you can open their inventory without mounting the animal first. Right, yes. So yeah, like it, it makes perfect sense for that same system to apply to chest boats. 
Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I I uh, I mean, it's nice that they're a full chest. They didn't go with a smaller inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, the questions that I have off the top before I get into the really cool stuff is uh, it makes me wonder why there aren't shulker box chests. Like, I mean, I I, I get that you don't want to have like so many new items that are just going to clog your inventory and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't have much use for a chest boat that. It, I'm traveling around in that I then cannot take the chest boat with me. Like when I get to the other side of the ocean, I want to keep going on land and I don't want to leave all my stuff in the chest yeah. boat. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I feel like, you know, unless I unload everything and put it into a chest or a shulker box on me, it just, it kind of defeats the purpose. Right. Um, so it does kind of make me wonder, you know, why they wouldn't make um, entered chest boats or um, shulker box boats. The fact also kind of popped into my head like once you go down that road like furnace boat anybody that would be kind of fun <laughs> you, um, you kind of you kind of want them to be the same as minecarts where you have the furnace minecart the exactly. hopper minecart the tnt yeah. boat anyone <laughs> like that's a, a fun <laughs> a fun proposition i can't imagine many people taking that option but like yeah. a hopper boat could potentially be really interesting and um i i think what a lot of people have found in testing these is that they have a lot of interesting technical applications and implications because it's an entity that you can position sort of any way you like, but it has a large enough hitbox that it can be interacted with by a ton of hoppers. And you can put it over the top of a pad of nine hoppers. You can have nine hoppers facing down into it. And if that's a three by three along the top, you also get three each side facing in towards the boat. So in theory, you could have up to 21 hopper inputs into a single storage container, which is lightning fast because they're all pushing items in there at once. And it's not like there's a limit on how fast things can be put into a container. The limit is more imposed by the hoppers themselves pushing items out of them. So I think potentially those have really interesting implications for technical gameplay. It's a matter of how fast you get the items out of them from there and transfer them into any other kind of container. But then, you know, hopper minecarts are an option there. There's a variety of interactions you can have with them. And you can also put a chest boat in a minecart as a passenger. Uh, so there's there's potentially some weirdness can happen there as well. But uh, if you want a a minecart with chest boat, <laughs> that's that's technically possible, although a little bit weird looking. You can be uh, you can use furnace minecarts to push them around as well. So because boats slide around on on ground just slowly, you can use furnace minecarts or I think even regular minecarts to move them around. So. If you wanted to, because like a hopper minecart only has five inventory slots, but a chest boat has got a full chest. And if you wanted to move that up and down a track, you could use furnace minecarts to move it back and forth. Uh, and I want to give uh, Il Mango a shout out because um, their video was really cool. They also pointed out that there's an inconsistency with how hopper minecarts break and how chest boats break. When you break a chest boat, you get the full thing. The boat and the yes. chest, it's a single item in your inventory. When you break a hopper minecart, you get the hopper and the minecart separate. And that yeah. becomes frustrating if you are someone that wants to like send a lot of hopper minecarts through a redstone system, break them or move them and send them back to the start empty again. You can't do that because then you you, you can't recraft automatically the hopper minecart. But the chest boat, once it's empty, you could break it by like sending it into a cactus or whatever, have it be picked up by a hopper, sent back via water stream, uh, I don't remember 
I don't remember in the video whether you could um, deposit a chest boat in the same way that if you put a boat in a dispenser, it'll just dispense you, the boat. Currently, you cannot. I t right. I tried this out, and um, in incidentally, before we get away from it, um, chest boats do break down into a chest and a boat in the Bedrock Edition beta. Right. Um. So I think at this point, it's probably up the up to the community to decide which one they like more. Um. I I personally really think that keeping the two together makes sense. Because they're both made out of wood, right? Like, I can sort of understand it with a hopper minecart or a TNT minecart, where if you want to separate those things out, again, they're both, relatively speaking, expensive. They use precious materials like iron. Obviously, if you're, you know, iron farming or whatever, it's, it's you know, as cheap as wood, if not cheaper. But I do think with the chest boat, it makes more sense for it to stay together, especially since when you destroy it, it can dump as many as 27 stacks of items out into the world because the contents of the chest will just spill out as though you'd just broken a chest. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's potentially something that could stay in the game and be an advantage and might even open up a discussion about how they want to treat the minecart variants in future. Um, but going back to the dispenser thing, you can't dispense them yet but you can't dispense mangrove boats yet either. Um, so this seems like it just hasn't been programmed in yet. Um, right. I, I get the sense that that's just something that they've overlooked or not bothered with right now, or they're maybe waiting to get some feedback from the community on. Um, I think if you can dispense them, it opens up more fun options for automation and interesting stuff because you can place a boat on some flowing water, You know, have it go down through a row of hoppers and just kind of float down acquiring items as it goes and then drop over the edge of a waterfall and travel vertically really fast which is something that's difficult to do with hopper minecarts without you know setting up a complex system of track so i think yeah maybe there's a chance for more organic and fun automation using chest boats in that way and even having them like I think in Bedrock Edition, boats can travel vertically in water a lot easier than they can in Java. In Java, that's virtually impossible right now, unless you're using bubble columns. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see where the community would take that and what other ideas could arise from having, uh, you know, a bit more automation added to chest boats beyond just hopper interactions. Yeah, I think that would be where I would want them to go as well. And I understand if it's an inventory inside of an inventory thing. Like if you've got a chest boat that's full of stuff, you don't want to be able to put that in a dispenser because then you can put nine chest boats in a dispenser, right? That are all full of things. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another shulker box in a shulker box kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe it only works when they're empty. Like if you break them when they're full, stuff yeah. goes everywhere and, and your boat is is just on its own but if they're if they're empty then they could be put in a dispenser that like that to me would make would make sense because i yeah. don't know why you'd want to dispense a full boat I, you know, yeah well I, you you couldn't you couldn't keep the items in it anyway because to break yeah. it to put it in the dispenser as an item it's just gonna leave all leave the items are gonna drop out of it yeah. anyway and and there is precedent for it with shulker boxes to begin with because they keep their items when they're in a dispenser but you you wouldn't be able to dispense a full chest boat anyway is what i mean yeah. So I, that leads me to a question that I had just early this morning because I was a little bit embarrassed I didn't know this. But if I have a water stream, let's say it's a two wide water stream, similar to how you would move items. You know, it's a single water source. It travels down to, to mm -hmm. eight blocks and then there's an ice block where things scoot across and they pick up again. If you had a continuous stream of water, probably, I guess, with boats, you'd have to drop it down by a block every eight blocks. Will the boat flow on its own? if you put it in there or or will it wait for the player to get in it 
I believe they do. I believe boats will float on their own. Um, okay. I haven't done that for a long time. I haven't needed to, but yeah. I think especially like with, with players in it, they definitely do because I've tried to create a lot of impromptu canals in my time transporting villagers using boats. And yeah, when you have to cut through that area and the water just kind of drags you down, then that's yeah, right. kind of okay. a pain. Yeah. But don't need to do that as much anymore now the rivers are so big. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, th- I think you could have a boat moving along like a canal like that and have it be somewhat automated so in a, a base where you're doing stuff like that you can effectively create like a fun little canal system and these things become like barges effectively carrying goods down from somewhere elsewhere in your base and potentially adding a bit more fun a bit more life to them there is a lock system here in dartmouth in the shubanakadi canal it was used um, way back in like the 1700s for trade uh, further inland and so you you bring your your canoe in the locks would shut the lock would fill up with water you'd raise two or three meters and then the lock would open up and you'd row out onto the lake you know above the stream and uh if you if there was a way in minecraft not that it would be efficient but it would be cool to be able to do that by using like dispensers with buckets to like raise the water level and then like flush a boat out of the system like that would be really really interesting and like decently educational too for you know the education version of minecraft or just how lock systems work in the real world yeah i i honestly doubt that that kind of stuff would replace hopper minecarts and minecart rail no, stuff as no, far no. as like technical people and wanting to do stuff in an efficient way but in terms of again the overall fun of it and the fact that it's possible to do and the 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 way it could be incorporated into different styles of base if you want your base to feel a little bit less high tech then i i think using boats for that could be really fun like i i like the idea of that a great deal and i'm i'm hoping that these little kind of interactions with redstone stuff get fine-tuned in the the next little while because there is potential for them to be a a really neat addition if that's the case I mean, think about how quickly, talk about like efficient redstone stuff. Think about how quickly with nine hopper minecarts underneath a chess boat, how quickly you could empty that. Mm-hmm. Like it would just gone. And so if you had a lot of items that you needed to evenly distribute quickly, that would be the way to do it right now. Yeah. In, in yeah. the snapshot. Yeah, I, I, do, I do wonder if there's going to be uses for them in terms of sorting multiple types of item into different chests and and having that be like because you can you can do this with other entities where you can sort of you know they 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 have an overlap the collision isn't as exact as you know you, you you can have like sections of them that overlap a little bit and so i wonder how easy it is to tile boats side by side where they don't have to occupy like a space on the block grid and that can potentially either be used to compact storage systems or used for multi-item sorters or things like that like there's there's some stuff again people who are who are smarter than me are going to come up with some some fun ways of using them and i'm looking forward to seeing what those are uh for now though i think that's probably where we're going to leave this episode of the spawn chunks going to keep it short and sweet today you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about including all of the snapshot change logs and the data packs and whatnot at the spawnchunks.com where we keep our show notes uh the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks joining our community gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat 
and you can participate in things like the monthly Minecraft audio hangout that we had this weekend and the live show recording that's going on right now in Discord. Uh, we're currently at 337 patrons, which is up three from last week, so thank you to everybody who has just jumped on board. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, Hunter555, Jumbo Sale, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and say, hey, you should listen to The Spawn Chunks. And you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, even YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating or a review on your favorite platform that helps us reach new ear holes. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Find the RSS feed on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, at thecitadelcafe.com. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and you can see it all from your brand new chest boat. (laughs) 